Coming up on Stew Does America, the state best known for mob violence and hookers comes up with its worst idea yet, Bernie Sanders for president. Maxim Lott walks us through some of the greatest hits from Bernie's new album, Communist Dictatorship Love Songs. And Hillary Kennedy is here to talk about Hollywood's apparent search and destroy mission among its ranks to find conservatives. And she tells us why she's starting to grow her own unibrow. Hmm. Don't forget to... uh, going to love that. Don't forget to find the nearest subscribe button and click it. If you're listening on podcast, please rate and review with a super enthusiastic, it's great, whatever. And click the bell on YouTube to get your notifications of every new video like a crack addict looking for their next fix. And for those people who truly love America, subscribe at blazetv.com slash stew and make sure to use the promo code stew because that's how they know that you like this stupid show. Plus, you'll save 10 bucks. Remember, using the promo code STEW is the best way to stop socialism in America. Well, that and voting. STEW does America. Big story from Nevada this weekend. It was billed as a close fight, but that is not what happened. What we witnessed this weekend was an absolute and complete destruction. Of course, I'm talking about Tyson Fury defeating Deontay Wilder in a seventh round TKO. Side note, I'm a little split on the name Tyson Fury. On one hand, it is the name of an all-time great boxer, followed by a word that means wild or violent anger. It's kind of a perfect name for a boxer. On the other hand, his real full name is Luke Tyson Fury, which means he's choosing to delete the biblical figure he was named after to be known by the name that can accurately translated to be a convicted rapist's wild and violent anger. That seems questionable to me. I don't know. I can't imagine you're going to have a lot of kids growing up choosing to be known as Harvey Weinstein potted plant. The difference is, of course, up until just a few hours ago, Harvey Weinstein had not actually been convicted of rape. Oh, and by the way, there was also a Nevada caucus and pretty much the exact same thing happened. Total destruction. Bernie Sanders, a frail 170 year old socialist, destroyed the rest of the field. You pretty much take this headline from the New York Post. Tyson Fury appears to lick blood off Deontay Wilder's neck and change it to Bernie Sanders appears to lick blood off Joe Biden's neck and pretty much still have the same outcome. Here's what the final results look like. Bernie Sanders won with 46.8% of the county convention delegates, which is the ridiculously complicated measure everyone uses to name the winner. Joe Biden at 20.4% finished second which we were told to be impressed by Ooh-hoo-hoo, a former VP for eight years, only lost by 26. Good job, Joe. Nice work out there. Buttigieg at 14 uh, percent. Warren at 10. Steyer at a very, very expensive 5 percent. Oh, I, I hurt for him. Klobuchar at 4 percent. And Tulsi Gabbard, who committed the massive Democrat, Democratic campaign mis- misstep of occasionally saying things that sort of made sense, finished at zero. That's behind Deval Patrick who at least got one delegate despite not even being in the race. By the way, if you're wondering if I was lying about how insane this process is, an MSNBC camera managed to catch the Democrats actually assigning a delegate by playing war. As we've been talking about here in Nevada, the tie goes to the high card. They just decided that ace is low card and huh. Bernie's. 
Okay, so Bernie's campaign pulled a two, and Buttigieg pulled a three, so it appears as though the tie goes to the high card, and that is Buttigieg. In this case, this is Nevada caucusing live at work here. <laughs> Every vote must count, assuming you have the high card. This is not only the most asinine way to pick a candidate, but they also screwed it up. You heard them say they just decided that the ace was the low card, but the rules specifically say in these very limited circumstances where two or more presidential preference groups are tied for a loss or gain of a delegate, groups must each draw a single card from a deck of cards to break the tie. Here's the, here's the money line. The high card determines the winner and aces are high. The Democrats literally screwed up the rules of the very first card game you teach your children how to play when they're four years old. But yes, they can totally control our global temperature to the 10th of the degree. Why would you doubt it? It shouldn't be a problem at all. And you have to admit, part of you was hoping that I was making up the idea that they were deciding the election with playing cards. But now you've seen it and heard it with your own eyes and ears. May God have mercy on their souls. So where do we stand? Well, I spent a good amount of time late last week laying out how Donald Trump was in the best position of his entire presidency. And that's true. But here's something else that's true. Today, we are closer to having an overt socialist as president of the United States than at any other time in our history. Eugene V. Debs in 1912 got about a million votes in an election where about 15 million were cast. So that was pretty good, but it was still only enough to finish fourth. But that's about as close as we've come. And imagine how well he would have done if the V in Eugene V. Debs didn't stand for vicious rapist boxer who is now in a hilarious sidekick in buddy comedies and is somehow inexplicably accepted throughout the Me Too era. Long middle name. Yes, there have been plenty of socialist tendencies among past Democratic candidates and maybe a few Republican ones as well. But Bernie Sanders is different. He is a longtime believer. A little that I am... The little that I am hoping to be, I owe to the socialist movement. As a socialist, the word socialism does not frighten me. The distribution of wealth in this country, as you may or may not know, is one of the most unfair and distorted in the entire world. You yeah, have but how can you practically change that very uneven distribution? Well, I think you can change it politically. You don't consider yourself a capitalist, though. Do I consider myself part of the casino capitalist process by which so few have so much and so many have so little, by which Wall Street's greed and recklessness wreck this economy? No, I don't. I am a socialist. Uh, if you're wondering why you haven't seen all of these fabulous moments from Bernie, NBC has a little bit of an answer. They tweeted, if Senator Sanders wins the nomination, some Democrats worry that President Trump will hammer him on his long buried words in defense of governments in Nicaragua, Cuba, and the USSR. Long buried words? I, who buried them? I didn't bury them. What, what are they buried under? Let's dig them out. What do you think? Notice the framing of the tweet. It's not that supporting communism for decades is the problem. It's that some Democrats worry he'll be unfairly hammered by Donald Trump about those tweets. Oh, oh, oh I feel so sorry for him. It's one thing to flirt with socialism. It's another thing to believe some of it and not want to say it out loud. It's another to be proud of it. For decades, Bernie Sanders has done just that. He's made a career of zigging into communism when everyone else was zagging away from it. The guy took his honeymoon in the Soviet freaking Union, which is usually only an option if you're marrying an heiress that you really want to disappear. 
Bernie has done everything short of tattooing murderous communist dictators all over his body, which he's only avoided because of super wrinkly skin and the fact that obviously it would make him completely untenable and ostracize him from society. Or maybe not, considering Mike Tyson has a tattoo of Mao and another tattoo of Che, and he got his own HBO special to endlessly rant unquestioned about what he says is the truth. I shouldn't compare here. Obviously, Bernie Sanders has not been convicted of rape. He only publicly fantasized about it. I guess I need to be the first to suggest the obvious. Sanders Tyson 2020. Hmm, where do I donate? Best part of Sanders, of course, is that the only thing he wanted more than socialism was attention. So he was blurting this stuff out everywhere. Are you a capitalist? No, I'm not a capitalist. Hmm. No, of course not. Sure, that's even crazy to a guy like Phil Donahue back in the day. But, you know, you're a nobody. You're trying to make a name for yourself. Imagine being on the cusp of the Democratic nomination with less than a month to go before the Florida primary and you do this. It's unfair to simply say everything is bad. You know, when Fidel Castro came into office, you know what he did? He had a massive literacy program. Is that a bad thing? Even though Fidel Castro did it? Mm, that takes some balls. Like naming your kid Little Jeffy Epstein McPedophile which is not only a terrible name for your child's future employment prospects, but also a really dark chapter in the history of McDonald land. Mm, and you thought the Hamburglar was the criminal. What makes Bernie uniquely dangerous is that unlike other left-wing candidates, he's not doing this to make friends. He's believed this forever, and he doesn't care about his future political prospects. The dude had a heart attack on stage like three months ago. He doesn't care about anything in the future. This is his one shot to accomplish his life's work. And if he gets this gig running the free world, he'll do anything he can to make that happen. And I believe that means ending the filibuster, or that he's already talking about prepping dozens of executive orders to fire up on day one. But this is where we are. Bernard Sanders is the overwhelming favorite to win the Democratic nomination. 538 estimates that he has a 47% chance of winning the majority of the delegates. The next highest possibility is Biden with eight and as far as leading the field when the convention starts, contested or otherwise, Bernie Sanders has a 70% chance of doing so. Even if you're confident in Trump beating Sanders in the general, there are events that are out of his control. And if Bernie is the only other guy running with a chance, we are facing something terrible that we've never faced before. One poorly timed economic downturn away from catastrophe. Sort of like the casting catastrophe that occurred when a convicted rapist was cast to provide comic relief in a movie that literally revolves around the use of the date rape drug. How did that happen? We need to investigate. What's next uh, for our bumbling de Democratic friends here as we go on in the primary? Barring complete and utter chaos, everyone is done, except for Sanders and one alternative, maybe. Biden has been getting destroyed in three straight states, but at least he finished second in Nevada. He'll have one more chance to stay alive and faces a must-win situation in South Carolina on Saturday. If he loses there, you'll have Bloomberg, I guess, as the last hope to stop Bernie, and he's horrible, too. As weird as it is, it might be time to start rooting for Elizabeth Warren and Tom Steyer in South Carolina so they at least stay in the race and pull some votes from Sanders. We may wind up having a contested convention as the last hope to avoid an actual socialist being one of the two major choices to lead the United States of America. Sort of like a legal na name change is the only really last hope for little Billy Cosby Quaid Ludestein and his close friend Kevin Spacey de Gropersburg.
I want to go back to something uh, from the monologue. This tweet from NBC News. If Senator Sanders wins the nomination, some Democrats worry President Trump will hammer him on his long-buried words in defense of governments in Nicaragua, Cuba, and the USSR. To me, that kind of looks like the media running interference for Sanders. You know, the mean president might unfairly bring up the things Sanders has said and stuff. We thought those had been buried. But Sanders uh, is so far to the left, he's actually complaining about MSNBC being too mean to him. So should these things remain buried? Is there any relevance to Sanders' past praise of communist regimes? Joining me is the executive producer of Stossel TV, and he has a video out called Sanders' Scary History of Socialist Praise. You can check it out on YouTube. Welcome, Maxim Lott. Thanks for coming on the program, Maxim. Thanks for having me, Stu. Uh, one of the interesting things you go through here is the uh, newly discovered um, uh, pattern of Bernie Sanders calling himself a democratic socialist rather than a good old revolutionary socialist. Can you walk us through some of that? Yeah, so Sanders really changed his tune in the 1990s. Um, before then, and I went through dozens of hours of old footage of Sanders from these archives in the 70s and 80s, he was very overt and outspoken about saying, you know, Cuba does a lot of things right, Nicaragua does a lot of things right, Soviet Union does some things right. And in the 1990s, he kind of, he got into Congress on a national level, and he kind of dropped that. And now he, when he talks about it, he says, I'm aiming for Sweden, for Denmark, this democratic, nice socialism, and he really focuses on that. So he's changed rhetorically. And in this video, I basically went through the highlights of the kind of most um, pro-authoritarian socialist things he did say in the 80s and 70s, so we could go through those. Yeah, well, first of all, you deserve some hazard pay for having to listen to Bernie Sanders <laughs> in that many hours of his speeches. I don't think I could have done it myself. Um, you go through <laughs> Cuba, and Cuba's, you know, an interesting one because, you know, he is still sticking by the fact that Cuba did a lot of really good things, which is a, a bit controversial a few weeks before the Florida primary. What did you find that uh, Sanders said about Cuba back in the day? Yeah, so he said one thing I think people see uh, the, these news cycles hit and they think it's like, oh, one clip, but it's never one clip here. It's <laughs> like it's like six clips about Cuba. Right. But two of the most crazy, he was talking in the 70s about, um, here's a quote from him. He said, I remember as a kid being very excited about the revolution happening in Cuba. Um, it just seemed right and appropriate that poor people were rising up against rather ugly rich people. And then, mm. so there he was talking about it as a kid, but then he went on, you know, in another show as an adult, as the mayor of Burlington, Vermont, he was saying Castro educated the kids, gave them health care, totally transformed the society. Um, so he has plenty of quotes on Cuba. And yeah. I saw recently even Democrats were saying, you know, this is unacceptable that he's focusing on maybe arguably slightly higher literacy rather than, you know, the thousands of people who were tortured and killed or the hundreds of thousands who had to flee to the United States. Yeah, and when you really look so. at the literacy program in and of itself that he's been praising, even today he's still doing this. I mean, look, Cuba already mm -hmm. had high literacy before Castro came to power. The literacy program arguably was really more of a re-education sort of thing where you're reading a lot of communist literature and learning the right. new ways of the new state. It's not something to be excited about it. And I think like noting back in the day 
that he's excited about this revolution is 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 really notable because it was so against the the flow of the country, right? Like this is not something mm-hmm. as a kid you just pick up and say, "Oh, I'm on Cuba's side here." Everyone was on the opposite side to really stand for Cuba back in that time. I mean, it's not like today when socialism's I guess kind of cool with AOC tweeting every five minutes about it. This was a difficult thing to do back in the day, and it shows how much he really believes it. Yeah, I completely agree with that from having watched the footage. He really comes across as a true believer um, and also as someone who's not afraid to just say what he thinks, even if the whole country is saying, you know, this communism is evil, it's killing people. He said, you know, I don't don't care. I'm still going to praise the things I like about it. So in some ways, you almost have to have a grudging respect for that. But, um, But yeah, he's praising these regimes that killed a lot of people. Yeah, all these uh, videos, by the way, are in uh, Maxim's uh, video online. You can go to Stossel TV and watch it. You found some really interesting stuff about Nicaragua as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Nicaragua, he praised Cuba, but Nicaragua was really his hobby horse. Um, and he just constantly brought it up. And he actually went to Nicaragua twice. The first time as the guest of the Nicaraguan government, they gave him an expenses paid trip to come to the inauguration of socialist revolutionary Daniel Ortega. Um, mm. And Sanders went and he later said, you know, it's kind of unbelievable, but I was, I as a mayor was the highest ranking U.S. official there. And, you know, it's not so unbelievable <laughs> because it was, it was like Sanders, Castro was there, uh, the vice president of the Soviet Union was there. And, you know, of course, U.S. officials didn't want to be there for that. But basically, there was this violent revolution in Nicaragua, and they seized people's land. They had indoctrination, all these other socialist reforms. And Castro even specifically praised the land redistribution, where he says they were giving, for the first time in their lives, land to farmers so they could have something they would grow. They're making significant progress. So, I mean, that's a pretty extreme policy, I think, to be praising. And he's never retracted that. (laughs) Yeah, which is interesting. Even now, he's not retracting these things. He's not saying, well, look, I had different beliefs back then. He's sticking by it. The Soviet Union might be the most amazing one, though, because this is at a time where even Hollywood is churning out films like that make the Soviet Union look really bad. And he Mm -hmm. was standing up against the flow again with really hardcore foundational beliefs that... This Soviet Union, socialism, communism, Marxism in general, was providing good results for its people, and he even visited the Soviet Union. Yeah, absolutely. And he even visited it for his honeymoon. And there is hours of footage, which I actually went to Vermont to watch it, um, and they won't, they won't release it online, but it's in their archives there. Mm. Um, well, one minute of it has gotten out online, and you may have seen him singing songs yeah. kind of drunkenly in the Soviet Union. <laughs> Um, and, uh, yeah, when he came back, he was full of praise for it. It says, you know, the beautiful subway stations, beautiful cultural programs for the youth. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing he said that I didn't make our final cut of the video, but he, uh, he was talking about, he was talking with some Soviets and they told him about a 93% tax in the Soviet Union. And Sanders was like, believe it or not, the people I talked with said that was too high. Um, and, and Sanders, actually, he recounted how he pushed back against them and said, well, if you didn't have this tax, you would end up with millionaires in the Soviet Union. And how would you feel about that? 
-hmm. And they said, well, we don't know. You know, what we have now isn't really working either. So you recounted all this, but it's just funny how his reaction, 95%, 93% tax was, well, at least you don't have millionaires. Wow, that's an incredible find. That's an amazing piece of footage. I mean, because he, he really did just jump into this. I, you know, and I, I, um, it would be something interesting to put on his plate now. Number one, as he's a millionaire, right? I mean, he's in that group now that he yeah. said he wanted to prevent. And number two, you know, obviously with all these programs, he wants to spend $97 trillion over the next decade. He's going to need taxes mm -hmm. at those levels. I did have one question, and I thought it was maybe the most disturbing thing in the entire video. Mm. Was Bernie Sanders shirtless at the table when he was, it looked like he was not wearing a shirt at the table in the Soviet Union. <laughs> I, don't want any, I don't want any of the viewers to have to confirm that part of it, but it was very disturbing to me. I don't remember for sure, but he very well might have been. They had kind of a toga-type theme going on, <laughs> Okay, <laughs> uh, is, is how I remember the footage. <laughs> Again, it's just unfair to not watch this video, considering what you put yourself through watching all these hours of Bernie Sanders, <laughs> potentially in toga material. Um, you can go watch this on YouTube at uh, uh, Stossel TV. It's a really great video and gives you a really great outline of all the crazy stuff that Bernie has been saying. And, you know, the way you're talking, maybe there's another one coming because there's even more footage out there that we haven't there's, seen. There's plenty more. Mm, all right, yeah, Stossel TV, it's, it's Maxim Lott. Thanks so much for coming on the program, Maxim. Thank you, Stu. All right, back in a second. So Louis C.K. Um, did a bit and was one of my favorites he ever did, which was called, of course, but maybe. And he'd say, of course, something very obvious we all understand, but maybe something really uncomfortable. And he'd list off the really uncomfortable thing about the topic he was talking about. So I feel like we're in that zone right now uh, because we're talking about Harvey Weinstein. Harvey Weinstein was convicted uh, two of the five counts against him in his rape trial uh, in New York. And uh, we have this uh, tweet from Sarah Jones. This was the level of the, uh, the punditry out there. Harvey Weinstein was just found guilty for the same behavior as President Trump, but Harvey Weinstein is, is handcuffed and going to prison. Trump has been credibly accused of rape and sexual misconduct at least 22 times. Do you see the one fault you have there? Um, the found guilty part? Like that's an important part of the process. You know, yes, Weinstein was found guilty, so then he's going to prison. He wasn't in prison before that. You go in after you're found guilty, not when you're accused. I know it's a weird thing for the, uh, for the left to understand. Um, but look, of course, of course, Harvey Weinstein should be in prison. He just seems like a type of guy who should. He seems like a really terrible human being in many, many ways outside of his rape accusations. I, he's got so many accusations against him. So many of them are credible and, and, and unfortunately limited um, by time. Uh, so they were not included in this case. Of course, all those things are true. I, that's not why he should be in prison, of course, because, you know, it's a bad idea for the legal system to be turned on whether I think he should be guilty. That's not how the legal system works. But of course he should be in prison. Of course he's a terrible person. But maybe he didn't rape these people in particular. I know it's really uncomfortable to say, but if you read the evidence in this particular case, it's it's very questionable. Let me give you some of this. And this is uh, he was, by the way, exonerated from the most serious uh, charges against him in this case. But both for, this is from this is from the nation, by the way. This is not some right wing publication. It's a far left wing one. Both primary accusers gave accounts that were emotive, but were also undercut sometimes seriously by other witness testimony or evidence. One of the accusers had gone uh, renovation over various tellings of her tale. 
She had a calendar that she kept and it was scrawled with the words, I love, 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 I love New York. I love, love, love stuff. Surrounded by doodled hearts on the week of her alleged rape. She had emails with saying lots of love and totally bummed to have missed you to Harvey Weinstein. Jessica Mann, who had spent the longest time on the stand, testified that she lied over the years in emails and recorded phone calls when she said Weinstein validated her, understands her, was nothing but good to her, made her feel so fabulous and beautiful when she said she loved him and had set boundaries in the relationship. We hear this all the time that people who go through sexual assault still at times will reach out to their accusers. Um, this is, we're told, very normal behavior. It sounds very strange to me, frankly. I mean, if you know, if you get assaulted by someone, the last thing you want to do is meet up with them later on. Um, but, I mean, you know, look, it's a traumatic thing, and it may have you do different, you know, things than a normal person might decide. I mean, it's, a tra- it's trauma. Beyond that, though, like, the amount of times this happened and the, the pace of them is, is a, little, a little disconcerting. And the fact that they actually had consensual sex with the guy later seems a little strange. Um, over, uh, she says that, uh, the night that she was raped, she went back to her friend's house. This is according to her friend, not, not Harvey Weinstein, went back to her friend's house and decided to stay an extra night in New York, slept in the closet of her friend's apartment just so she could, uh, quote, stay an extra night in New York after the rape so that she could go to a screening and celebrate Weinstein's birthday the next day. Again, this is a left wing source. She said uh, she was asking uh, how he is. What is his schedule? When is he in L.A. or London? Can he meet her mom? After a rape, ra- reminiscing about their first meetings when he was, and again, that's when he was, the rape apparently happened. Um, asking for help with parking tickets, for job leads and party invitations, updating him on a family member, on feelings, on work, on a breakup with a boyfriend, her new phone number. Can you give your rapist your new phone number? I- her friends' numbers, where she can also be reached, making jokes, mugging for the camera. Hi, from Berlin. Man said every email to Weinstein was a calculated charade for her own safety. Words are her words, her own words, ought not to be trusted because she had no free will, even typing from 3,000 miles away. She was compelled to deny any authority or responsibility in her own life to disown her words, her prior self, as fraudulent. Quote, I put myself in the lion's den and it was exciting. It was a thrill. She wrote to a boyfriend in 2014 about this time. I mean, look, the biggest lesson that I think we could pull out of the whole Me Too um, uh, moment is to say to women to empower them to, if they are, God forbid, are insulted or have to deal with any of these people, mainly from Hollywood, who do things like this, that they should go to the police immediately when there's still evidence and they can actually track these things down. Try to look back 10 or 15 years to try to sort one of these things out when you've emailed and, and, and done all these contacts dozens of times. Why would you inform them of new contact information? It, it just seems completely impossible. And so how do you go and convict a guy when the standard is proving his guilt and he's assumed to be innocent? I don't understand exactly how they did it in this particular case. The end of the story, of course, is Harvey Weinstein is a terrible human being and probably should be in prison for numerous things that we don't even know about. So this probably turned out OK. But I do I do wonder if we're starting to 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 come out, kind of go through the legal system and and convict people through social media, through a documentary you see on a channel, through how bad we think they might be. And that's not America. Back in a second. All 
Our guest here is gracious enough and was gracious enough to help me announce the stupid show that you're watching right now to the masses. And she did it in a sort of friendly, loving way that only she can watch. I don't have any loyalties or friends. <laughs> and I can vouch for that. Now, when developing the idea for Stu Does America, was there any thought of doing a more profitable genre like true crime or helpful home decorating tips? Uh, that was rec recommended to me several times, yes. And did they also recommend finding a host with a more camera-friendly appearance? Uh, certainly that's what the focus group said over and over again, but we thought we would try something different, a different approach. What if we made sure that people could get the audio-only version, right? <laughs> that way, if the visuals are as problematic for humans as all of our research seems to indicate, they can still check out the show every day. Well, okay, so let's get down to the bottom line. What if I don't have an extra $1,000 a day to spend on another podcast? Here's the best part, Hillary. Most people would expect to pay between $500 and $2,000 per episode for a podcast like this. But for a limited time, you can get it every single day as part of your Blaze TV membership. <laughs> I mean, who wouldn't want to buy a show like that? Uh, she's the host of the 4-Minute Buzz on the Glenbeck radio program, and she's currently in training to replace Ozzy Osbourne as a lead singer of Black Sabbath. Uh, which you may not have known. Uh, look, you look great there. Um, welcome to the program, Hillary Kennedy. Thank you. For... Thank you very much for having me, Stu. Uh, I appreciate it. Um, by, by the way, the greatest performance of all time in any infomercial. That was so much fun. You were tremendous in that. Uh, it was all you, but I had a great time, so maybe you'll have me back one day. Definitely. We need to do another one of those. I, have, I already have some ideas brewing. I already okay. have some ideas brewing. Um, let's talk about, uh, are you, were you a big Office fan? Oh, I loved The Office. Oh, yeah. I've seen every episode of The Office probably three times, because now you can watch it the anywhere, thing. anytime. Yes. So it's I dangerous. It. Because not only have I you know, watched the whole thing when it was on, but I've now watched the whole thing all over again. And it's also one of those shows that at any point when I'm sitting around and I have 15 minutes to kill, I'll just play an episode yep. and then get lost in it. It's one of the greatest television shows of all time. It is, well, because everyone knows someone like each of the characters or has worked yeah. for a boss like Michael. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I'm a huge John Krasinski fan just because he's not bad to look at yeah i've so, noticed that too especially yeah. since the office like i mean yeah he's an all right looking guy in the office now he's like this jacked like superhero oh yeah he he bulked up yeah. and yeah he's been playing all of these action heroes and yeah yeah oh, and, that, and this is actually causing him some trouble because oddly enough people think because i guess he was in a military movie a couple of them now mm -hmm. uh that he may be a closeted conservative and that's not okay not okay so weird to me that people are so upset about this or reading into all of his movie choices or TV choices because he does play a lot of military characters, but he's said, he did a, an interview with Esquire and he said, I've got aunts and uncles and cousins that were all in the military and I have the highest respect for them. And so one of my big dreams was to do a, a movie or a TV show about the military. Yeah. And people have been reading into that saying, oh, well, he must be a conservative <laughs> if he wants to be in something supporting the military or the CIA. But it's so strange to me because I didn't know that supporting our military or respecting our military was a conservative value. I thought that was just something as Americans we should all be doing. Yeah, it used to be the thing that kind of everybody did, mm -hmm. right? And it's, it's interesting because it's not, um, we're at the point with Hollywood where it's not saying you're conservative that shows that you're conservative. It's just if you're not angry and oppositional to anything that is conservative, including something like the military, which is supposed to be for everybody. If you're not showing anger and angst towards that thing, people are like, I'm suspicious. I'm Absolutely. Suspicious. Well, and he even said, um, 
he came out and quoted something about having respect for the CIA and how much he respects the people who put their lives on the line every day for total strangers. And people came at him and said, oh, well, he's supporting the CIA and he thinks the CIA is great. And he was saying, well, I don't think that every person in every branch of government is doing things that I support, but that doesn't mean that I'm not going to throw my support and respect behind individuals putting their lives on the line yeah. for me and other people that they've never even met. We should all be thankful for that. Well, this is kind of how the NFL got in trouble, right? Where they had this situation with Colin Kaepernick and all these people kneeling and everything. Mm-hmm. And like, it, it, you know, it's almost, it, it almost hits a point where it's not even meaningful how much we just throw the flag out there. We're all so patriotic and everything. They can put it anywhere and it's always the safe thing. It's no longer the safe thing. Right. I mean, just saying, you know what, I like the country is now some political statement um, uh, uh, you know, on one side of the aisle or the other. That's not how it's been for a long time. So bizarre. And that's why I, I respect people like John Krasinski, who didn't come out and say, oh, well, I'm not a conservative. He yeah. didn't say any of that. He just said, I can't keep people from making their own inferences about why I choose certain roles yeah. over others. Um, and somebody like Dolly Parton, who's like, listen, I'm here to entertain people. It's, yeah. it's not anybody's business, and it's not my business what they think about my beliefs, so I'm not going to put them out there. And yeah. I, I think that's smart. I think that is actually better for your career, too, mm-hmm. just from the perspective. Obviously, you get the double the audience thing, which is nice. But it's also like when you're an actor, like we are supposed to be able to believe you're being a certain person you're you're changing who you are through every movie or every show right and when you're it's one thing to have a political opinion anyone can deal with that but it's it's another thing when you're when you're this hardcore activist it's hard to separate that i think especially in today's world yes yeah um you know he he uh i I will even say this thought even crossed my mind because he did the benghazi movie Mm -hmm. and the benghazi movie was you know it's it's somewhat controversial it's definitely the i would say the conservative uh, favored uh, telling of mm-hmm. the Benghazi story. Um, you know, well, people who were there say it's true. Uh, people uh, on the left say it's not. You know, who knows? Um, but it was a really good movie, and it did, it did seem like a choice. Like, if you're going to make a movie about Benghazi, and it was right before the Hillary election, like, right. it felt like, not you, the other Hillary, right. the bad one. <laughs> um, uh, it felt like it was, a, it was a choice. But, I mean, it says uh, in, in this article the, from Fox News that he did an Elizabeth Warren fundraiser in 2012. So that's not that conservative, unless you're comparing it only to Bernie Sanders. Right, exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, and I, I think he's really close friends with George Clooney, too. I mm-hmm. mean, they, they take trips to Italy together and do all that stuff together. So he's got friends that obviously are very left-leaning, and he might support left-leaning causes, but you don't really ever hear him talk about it. And it's his right if he wants to talk about it. Yeah. You know, it's great. But I think um, he's smart to let people just focus on his acting. And if he's doing roles that people enjoy... Who cares? And he's also just in that world where, with The Office, he's like the most likable guy. Like, yes. everyone loves him. Just don't screw it up. That's right, all you gotta exactly. do is not screw it up. <laughs> he, uh, I, I will say, I was walking through The Office talking about the story, and Nathan, one of the writers, uh, said, you know, he was in the movie uh, The Promised Land, which was an anti-fracking movie. And I was like, I can't think of a worse topic to make a movie out of than anti-fracking. I'm even pro-fracking is a really boring movie, but (laughs) anti-fracking, what are they just lining up next to a pipeline? Like That's a terrible story. (laughs) That must be exactly why I've never heard of this movie. (laughs) I don't remember it being in theater. These are the dark days. (laughs) This is before Jack Ryan, apparently. Um, Let me move on to something I think that can actually unite us as a society. Um, uh, Opposition to the unibrow. Now, this doesn't seem (laughs) necessarily like a top-of-the-line issue, but apparently... It is now. We have models who are wearing unibrows and we're supposed to, I think, think they're sexy. This disturbs me on so many levels. <laughs> they're, 
there's a, a model and an Instagram influencer that just made like this huge splash at London Fashion Week because she has, I mean, it's not like a small unibrow. This yeah. is like the full blown yeah, enchilada unibrow. There it is. Yeah. It, that looks like there's a caterpillar crossing a collar across her face right it, there. That's truly what it looks like. Yeah. And the whole thing is, I think she's a very beautiful girl. I mean, I think by most standards, oh, people so, would look at her and show. say, like, she's she's a very, she's kind of a, a smoking hot chick, as you know, as I, the kids would say. <laughs> but I, the unibrow just ruins the whole look for me. And I, I get that she's trying to make a statement of some sort somehow. Mm-hmm. I don't know if she's trying to say we should all do it or if she's trying to say, like, accept me as I am. Right. But back in the the 1400s, people were plucking out all of their eyebrows and eyelashes and doing other weird beauty trends. That doesn't mean that it looks good. No. Like just because someone's adopting it and saying like, "Hey, this is cool. Be you know, be who you want to be." That doesn't mean everybody should be doing it. I agree with you uh, completely, and I would say too that like there is a th- there's certain things you can do to yourself that remove you from the hot chick level, as you point out. Like, <laughs> yes, if she didn't have the giant black caterpillar crawling across her face, she'd probably be pretty good looking, but she does. So until that stops, I, I just can't put her in the, the model category. So as a man, or whatever, I mean, even as a woman looking at another woman mm-hmm. saying like, oh, this looks good or doesn't look good, don't you think that having that defined of a unibrow yeah. makes you wonder like, how good is your other personal hygiene? That's true. I mean, wouldn't that make you kind of be like, Did she just not notice? Did it just grow in and she's like, oh my God, look, I never even noticed that before. Right. What is that? There's the basketball player again. Yeah, Anthony Davis? Yes. Yes. Who also has let his grow in and is making a a statement about it. I mean, to each his own. It's just, on a man, I feel like maybe not quite as... It's not shocking. It's also the thing with Davis is like it matches the rest of his hair. She's like bright blonde with a dark black unibrow. It's the first thing you notice about her. There's nothing else to notice. It's all you see. There's some trends that should just go away. Like for a while there were uh, people doing like glitter brows and fanning them out so that they looked like they were called butterfly brows. Eyebrows should just be like an accent to your eyes, not the main focus. Yes. And please, if we're going to have to, because everything gets divided on politics now. Let's give the unibrow to the, li- the left. <laughs> Let them it. have it. Nancy have Pelosi it. with yes. a, a new I, eyebrow look. I uh, would love it. She would look great. <laughs> uh, before you go, I, I've discovered something about you that I did not know until today. Uh, and I'm, I, I'm a little surprised. You're apparently a big UFC fan. I love UFC. Why? Because... It doesn't make any sense to me. It does not fit with your character at all to me, in my head. I... Because if it's not a blood sport, why am I watching it, Stu? <laughs> I just, if, if no one's bleeding, why did I pay for the price of admission? Um, I love fighting. I always loved boxing. I would watch that with my grandpa growing up. But I love it because it is the original sport. It's like what we were born to do. So UFC <laughs> is the great marriage of WWE, the, the fun characters and the entertainment, the drama, mm-hmm mixed with the original gladiator where people are just fighting to the death because <laughs> you it. would love ancient rome i think you were going back i would there, be into really it yeah into I, it. I think i would enjoy that because that is where that's what they used to do they the gladiators i mean they gave american gladiators that shoot like rubber bullets at each other <laughs> you want the actual one back in the coliseum you want people tearing each other apart absolutely because it's a battle of wits and skill i think that's amazing and i mean 
people are being paid a lot of money to do it, but it's not like where you, you come out of college and you get drafted to the major leagues and you're all of a sudden making all this money. I mean, yeah. in the beginning, you're maybe getting paid $1,000, $4,000 to have your face beaten in, and oh. you're doing it for the love of the sport, and I like that. Well, I mean, I, that part of it I think I like. I just don't like all the punching of regions. I don't want to think about being punched. I feel like that's a bad, a bad they, entertainment moment. Yeah, a lot of those people might not be able to have children. Yeah, I, I noticed that. I have a, a friend of mine who is a, he is a, I guess you'd call a semi-pro wrestler, mm -hmm. like in like the WWE style, but not in the WWE. And he would go and like, he was like a regional wrestler. And like people would go to these events, and, but you know, not tens of thousands. It would be like 500. And he'd go around and get his, you know, because even though those guys like, you know, it's obviously it's wrestling. It's not, uh, you know, real as like UFC is right. real, but it's still they're still falling on stuff. They're still getting hit with stuff. They come back with broken bones and all sorts of injuries. Yeah. And it's like I because I'm a capitalist, I understand putting myself through hell. I mean, I work with Glenn Beck. I understand <laughs> putting myself through hell to make money, but I don't understand it. When you're coming to the point of like, you know, look, I'm making a few bucks, but I love the sport. I mean, it's pain. I'm a wuss. That's what I'm trying to say. Boy, I love it. And the people who do it right, are like Conor McGregor, he's my favorite fighter right now. Um, but the people who do it right really are able to kind of foray into other businesses. And there are other ways to make money once your body gives out. But... I mean, you do have a short time frame yes. in order to, be, to capitalize on your fame as a fighter. It could be any moment but, uh, in that sport. Well, I'm hoping, since you're not into it, I'm hoping I can convince you. There's um, UFC 249, I believe, is coming up in April. Mm -hmm. And so it's a guy named Khabib Nurmagomedov, mm -hmm. and he's fighting another guy named Tony Ferguson. Now, they are both amazing fighters, and Khabib is 28-0, so he's never, ever been beaten. Mm -hmm. And the guy was wrestling bears in the Russian tundra. I mean, no joke, like really wrestling like bears. Like a real Ivan Drago. Absolutely. So um, he's undefeated. He's a really tough guy, super scary to even look at. And he comes out wearing one of those giant Russian hats. I mean, he just looks so fierce. Um, and so he'll be fighting Tony Ferguson, who I don't believe has lost a fight since 2012, but it's a great matchup. If for some reason Tony gets hurt... And Conor McGregor will be fighting Khabib, and they have major beef. So there's a lot of good drama this there. Is Someone is definitely going to get knocked out and get hurt. So I would, I I would hope that maybe I mean, you would watch it, and then we can talk about oh it. Oh, my gosh. I can't <laughs> wait to see people torn apart and yeah. lose their livelihoods. It'll be fantastic. Uh, you need to talk to Rogan or, or Jim Norton or somebody. Somebody who's – you need to be – Very into it. Not, how are you not, like, the, the face of this organization? I don't Man, I need it. to. When I saw it, too, Dana White, I guess, is a big – Trump supporter. Yeah, right? I saw so, he was at one of the rallies. Yeah, the yeah. So that's kind of interesting. So that was something I didn't know. Future career prospects. Again, mm -hmm. better than working with Glenn Beck. <laughs> uh, all right, Hillary Kennedy. Thank you so much for coming on the program. And another infomercial. We got to do another one soon. Uh, so anytime. Fun. I'm I'm down for it. All right. Bye. <laughs> If you're listening on podcasts and you miss, uh, there's some visual you need to see, you can always go over to YouTube for free and, and watch it there and subscribe, of course. Uh, today, you know, we're going to honor Bernie Sanders with his Nevada win with the Bernie Sanders comic book, Talk Bernie to Me. This is, this is a real comic book. And inside, it's basically just hero worship for Bernie Sanders. Look at this. This is uh, Bernie Sanders uh, gets world peace. He's uh, sitting there at a podium and he's, he's created world peace, apparently. And one of the interesting parts are birds are landing on him. And that part I do believe. I do believe Bernie Sanders walks around Vermont and birds just land on him and he doesn't even notice. Uh, but if you kind of flip to the back of this, you get coming soon. If you guys are interested, you can always pick this one up. Barack the Barbarian.
Uh, he's apparently no Fs left to give, and he's going to save the entire society. So that's where you go. This is the sort of hero worship that's going on. There's an AOC one of these, too. We need to go over that at some point as well. All right, subscribe on YouTube and podcast and blazetv.com slash stew. Use the promo code stew because that's how they know that you like this stupid show. We'll see you tomorrow with more socialism talk, I'm sure, because what else are we going to talk about? <laughs>